Okay, because I said the the F word, and I know that like last time we only said we can say the S word, so. Is that what we agreed upon? Oh boy, okay. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> but I think, right. well, no, we did agree it's gonna be PG-13. We did? So, I don't know where I signed up for that. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> I said it was gonna be PG. I don't even remember. Am I, I looking not... at the camera right now? No. Like. Okay, like if I look here, that's looking at you. Or yes. I'm sorry, that's like I look like I'm looking semi at the camera, but I'm looking yes. at you. Yes. All right, that's all I care about. Cool. Okay, I don't remember signing any paper that said this was sticking to PG-13. So we're just going to okay. roll and see what happens. Okay. We can do not rated. That's a thing, not right? Rated. NR? Not rated. Yep. And that right. always means, guess what? You're in for a wild ride. Okay, welcome to the Muscle Science for Women podcast. I'm your co-host, Ashley Van Houten, and I am Rachel Gregory, the other host, co-host. And we're like, I want to say one, two, three, four episodes in now, um, because there's the other one with Dr. Stacey Sims that came out just before this one. And mm. I mean, I think we're doing pretty good. We're getting some good feedback. I think people are pretty happy with this new direction we're going in. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm enjoying it. So things go well I am so enjoying it. I um it's just like super chill. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. I like, I used to stress. I used to be like, I need to straighten my hair. I need to do makeup. I need to do all this stuff. Um, kind of just like, not anymore. Obviously hair's chilling. Whatever got a little happens, bit of makeup happens. on whatever happens, hey. happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling it. Um, and we were talking offline about kind of some like fun ways to like, make sure that this podcast doesn't go completely off the rails. Like we wanted it mm -hmm. to be, you know, like fun and conversational and casual, but it's not just going to be us talking about which direction our eyes are and if <laughs> what words we're allowed to say. So in light of that, what we're going to try to like base the beginning of every podcast around is talking about maybe some things that we're excited about and, or depending on what's going on in our life, some things that are like challenging us or frustrating us right now. And I know we're going to kind of talk a little bit longer about your exciting things. So I'll just start by saying I'm kind of excited that in very soon, in a couple of days from this recording, I am going to Nova Scotia to visit some family. It's a little family trip for a couple of weeks. And while we're there, we always in the summer, um, my husband's family lives on a lake and they have this great like sort of lakefront front property. And we always do a little homemade triathlon. Remember you, you messaged me, like, we've been talking about this for a while, that like you and I need to do a triathlon. But anyway, we like make up our own because as you know, having competed and I've done a couple like races and things that like, it's actually not always super fun to do these things in the presence of thousands of other people because you're like getting kicked in the face in the water, et cetera. So when you do it on your own, you kind of just get to do what you want. And this one's different because it's a swim, run, paddleboard instead of a bike. Um, Ooh, yeah, it's I really like cool. That. The setup, you got to come sometime, but the setup is basically, so we're on the lake and then we swim. It's like an 800 meter swim to another beach. And then we run through this amazing park about 5k. And then we're on the other side of the lake and we paddleboard back to our original location. Um, and it's just, it's super fun. And like, we get kind of competitive with ourselves, right? Like you try to do a little bit better than last time, but it's very chill yeah. and it's just kind of a fun, like people may not know that one of the sports I was like 
semi okay at growing up was swimming. I really liked it. And I swam competitively a little bit and I don't even like for fun, really swim much anymore. I just like, don't have really the time or opportunity, but when I go home, I try to like actually get some swims in. Like I get one of those, Mm -hmm. you know, those like buoy things you can swim out in the lake and no one's going to run over you and like all that kind of stuff. Um, I really think it's an underrated form of exercise. It's just so good on your joints. It's good for your lungs. It's like very low impact, but challenging. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I've also always found it. I don't know if you found this to be the case, but I always found it very meditative more so Mm -hmm. than running. Like I've done some long distance and some running stuff in the past too. And I know you can get into that like flow state that like runner's high, that feels quite nice, but I like doing it with swimming because I feel like it forces you to have more regular measured breathing that can get you really into like a zone that's like almost calming and meditative. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas with running, like, yeah, if you're a good runner, I guess you can do that, but I'm mostly just like gasping for breath and like (laughs) waiting for it to be over. So anyway, all that to say, I love swimming. I'm going to do a fun little triathlon and I'm happy about that. So I'm looking forward to it. That is exciting. Yeah. So I'm like the opposite when I was doing triathlons in college, swimming was my least favorite part. Cause I just, I just didn't really want to train for it. So I didn't, I wasn't fast at all. And so I was just like always getting kicked in the face and that's not part of the swimming part, but <laughs> that was my least favorite part of it. Um, but yeah, I was just, I never got really like efficient at it because swimming is like one of those things where when you first do it, you're super inefficient. Right. So, um, I felt like I just never got like the format. Eventually I did, but I just never really like paid attention to it with training. So I kind of just, you know, did more of the bike and run stuff. And I was like, all right, I'll just do the swim. It's the first part of the triathlon. I'll just, you know, get through I'll it. wing it. Yeah. Get through it. <laughs> what we talked about um, this before, if we were ever going to do like a longer one and like different people did the different legs, like I do the swimming, what would you do bike or run? Probably bike. I haven't run in like literally years. Well, yeah. that's a lie. I haven't ever since I hurt my back with CrossFit back in, oh my gosh, when was that? Like, uh, it was like October, 2018, I think. And ever since then, I just couldn't really run to the degree I could before when I was in college and and after that. And then I also saw that, you know, (laughs) my best body composition was made from lifting weights and not running at all. And just doing like low intensity cycling and walking, um, which we could talk about probably Mm -hmm. all day long. I was going to say, maybe we should add to the list. We should do a little, um, provocative episode about how everyone, (laughs) if you do CrossFit long enough, you will become injured. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Don't get mad at me, but it's kind of true for most people. Honestly, we should definitely do some podcasts about like CrossFit because CrossFit is, I think it's great, but there's so many things that it's not just like anything else, pros and cons. Um, but that's one of the things that's super controversial. Whenever I post on social media and I say something about CrossFit, whether it's good or bad, everybody comments. Like yesterday I posted something that I was like, if you want to, um, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was like, if you want to build your best body composition, the most efficient way to do that is through hypertrophy training. Um, and I think I said something about when I got injured at CrossFit, um, and I had to kind of like, I was forced to take a break and shift, you know, what I was doing. Um, like so many people were commenting on it and it was like one of the most engaged posts. And I noticed like even on TikTok and stuff like that, which I don't really pay attention to TikTok, but, um, you know, all the CrossFit things are like the ones that people are 
really uh, up in up in arms about. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I've talked, I've talked about CrossFit too, and I got a lot out of CrossFit. And I think a lot of people can get a lot out of CrossFit and you can get strong and you can take pieces out of it and, and move forward with your own kind of plan. That's like super awesome. I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the biggest issue is that 99.9% of humanity should not be doing Olympic lifting and also, um, power lifting for speed. Like Mm -hmm. it's not safe and it's not helpful. And like the upper, upper echelon of like competitive athletes, and even they get injured and have are messed up as a result of it, but they're competitive athletes. It's a different story. Um, there's one, there's one thing to be said for like learning how to clean and how to deadlift properly. And then there's another one that says you should do a hundred snatches for time and like hope you're going to turn out. Okay. It's just not a recipe for long-term functional health and fitness. It just doesn't make sense. And it's, you know, the camaraderie that people love about CrossFit is also eventually kind of what might take it to this overly competitive stage. I mean, I don't know anybody who has like done CrossFit who hasn't had this like vibe where they're like, Oh, I'm like nervous about this workout, this workout coming up. I don't want to do, or like, I gotta, I gotta Mm -hmm. get through, you know, and it's like, I don't know, maybe it's like an age and wisdom thing, but I'm just like, don't be nervous (laughs) about your workout. Just do something that isn't going to hurt you. Like, come on, yeah. guys. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, know. I agree. I think that, I think, you know, what I miss about it though, is that competition factor, especially coming from, you know, playing competitive sports in high school and then college. And then afterwards, you know, having that, that's really why I joined CrossFit after it was just one. I was looking for like kind of that, that competitive, like thing to look forward to. So I think that is a good part of it, but obviously like anything, it can be taken too far. Um, and just what I see is that at least what happened with me is that if you are looking to, again, change your body composition, maybe lose some body fat, build muscle CrossFit is just one of those things where it just, it's an inefficient way to do that because it's so hard to track your progress um, throughout, like, obviously we talk about progressive overload and all that stuff and building muscle. So from a building muscle standpoint, it's just not the most efficient way. Right. Um, and then also from like a fat loss standpoint, I mean, at least for me, I was like, after my CrossFit workouts, I was like, Oh man, like I just worked so hard. And even if it was like a five minute, like high intensity, what like EMOM or whatever you are, sorry, AMRAMP, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I was like dead on the floor after I was like, wow, I just burned so many freaking calories. I can just go eat whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though you like know that that's not the case, like, or at least I knew to some degree, obviously it's still, you know, you're basically forcing your body into this stressful state, you know, constantly this high intensity, you know, training and you kind of want to reward yourself after, right. Um, versus if you're doing like hypertrophy or bodybuilding style training, I actually think that first of all, that's going to be where you're stressing your muscles the most and getting, you know, all the effective reps and all the stuff we talk about getting close to failure and doing it in a way that you're building up a lot of tension throughout the muscle. Cause that's the number one way to build muscle, um, is to create that tension. Obviously we know that, you know, uh, like the metabolic stress and all that stuff that builds up, you know, lactate and all that, all those metabolites that are really what comes from those CrossFit workouts, like the AMRAPs and things like that, that does contribute to building muscle, but it's not the main driver. Um, so anyway, now I'm going down a lecture from the muscle science forum program itself plug for that. Um, plug it. it. Yeah. Um, but it's also, I, and I totally lost my train of thought. It's just, you know, it's just not the most efficient way and it's really hard to track progress and, you know, you're going to get burnt out eventually. And 
I mean, at least from what I know, a lot of the clients that I've worked with in the past and people who come to me, they basically are, a lot of people are forced to stop because they get injured, like you said. So, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of body composition and looking good, you're looking lean and mean over there. (laughs) Let's talk about the thing that you're excited about because I have some questions for you. Yeah. So I am doing a video shoot um, for uh, just business stuff. So recording a lot of um, content for social media, for my membership group, the Flex Fam, um, a lot of training and exercise content, making an exercise library um, that we can, we're going to potentially build into the Muscle Science for One program as well, which we do have an exercise library, which we both contributed to. And I think we have some plans in the future to even bump it up even more together. together, Yes. So this is just kind of like the first, the start of that for me. Um, and yeah, I've been, I, I used it as a goal, a body composition goal to shoot for, um, like it's been uh, 12 weeks. So I went into a fat loss phase after spending a good amount of time at maintenance, um, and got, I mean, I have like a week and a half left until the shoot. And so I've just been working, putting in the work, being, you know, disciplined. I mm-hmm. was on vacation the other week and it was supposed to be a diet break week, but I kind of told myself, I was like, I just got this far. I'm feeling really good about my progress. Um, and I decided to kind of push through the vacation and, you know, it was 10 days I was away and I implemented a lot of things that I, you know, teach clients in terms of, you know, ways to get through vacation with, while still being able to stick to your goals. Right. And so I did that and I came back, uh, and, and it's, we, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but it's not all about, the, about blah, 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 Rewind. blah, 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 It's not all about the scale. However, yeah. I came back after 10 days of not weighing myself because you don't want to, you know, weigh yourself on a scale that you use every single day and then go somewhere else and use another scale. Cause it's completely different, right? All scales are different, um, calibrated differently. So when I came back after 10 days, I weighed myself and I saw the lowest number, not that you have to have the lowest number or anything like that, but I saw the lowest number on the scale that I've ever seen in my life. Um, which was pretty crazy. Cause you know, since weighing myself, I don't know when I was a teenager, right. Cause mm. I don't, I wasn't weighing myself when I was like nine years old. So obviously I was thankfully lower yes. in weight, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the lowest number I've ever seen on the scale, um, I actually saw a new low today, but yeah, it just kind of reinforced. Like I was like, damn, like, it's not about the, the number on the scale being so low. It's just the fact that I was able to, um, stick to what I wanted to do going into that vacation. And I stayed super disciplined while still being able to enjoy myself and focus on, like, I, I really went into it with an intent to focus on the time I was spending with my family and the, the activities that we were doing versus the food part of it. Um, and so the food did play a role. Like we went out to dinner every single night, but I really focused and, and this was cool. We did family style every single night. So like we just shared a bunch of stuff. And so I went into each dinner, making sure that I ate like a really like solid amount of protein beforehand. So I didn't go into the meal hungry. hungry. And so I was still able to have like tastes and, and nibbles and things of the different things and still stay on track within, you know, portion sizes. Um, so that was a cool thing. And then when, you know, coming back after, you know, setting a goal and then accomplishing that goal, it's just like, I was just like, damn, I feel freaking awesome. Like I just had so much, you know, energy Mm -hmm. and it was 
it was cool. So yeah, that was something I'm excited about and we'll see how it goes. I have some questions first. I mean, I think it's, it's cool to note what you said about like, not necessarily when you go on vacation or when you're visiting with family to just not maybe put so much focus or emphasis on the food you're eating. Like you can still have meals and you can still enjoy them and you still can go out to eat, but there's this slight reframing between like, I'm going to go enjoy my meal and not be obsessive and not freak out. But also I don't have to like eat, like I'm dying tomorrow every time I go out because I'm with my family, because I'm on vacation, because I'm Mm -hmm. eating out, you know? And I think a lot of us can relate to that where, and especially when you're like trying to lose fat or you're, you're, you have some goal and you have to eat more strictly and you go out and it's like this, like boo hoo kind of thing. Like I can't Mm -hmm. get the fries or the junk or the extra or the drink or whatever. And it's like, I've talked about this before that it's like, first of all, suck it up. You set this goal. It it is what it is. Like you don't, no one's forcing you to do it. No, no one's, one's forcing, forcing you to, to lose weight. Yeah. But I think there is something to be said there that like, there's a wide gap between dysfunctional. I have to eat every single thing all the time when I go out versus dysfunctional. I can't, I have to drink a water while everyone else is eating a meal. Mm-hmm. There's a wide range in there of like, it doesn't have to be all about the food all the time, but you can still go out and enjoy and not have to be the weird pariah that's eating weird stuff when your family's eating normally, whatever. Like you can, you just gotta like, you gotta like, you got to figure it out for yourself. Um, okay. But you did talk about like, you know, getting on the scale and all this stuff when you do, cause you've done, since I've known you, you've done like a few of these sort of like cuts or mini cuts or like preps for things I'm like, this used to be me. And I feel like I haven't, I mean, I just kind of just get up every day and hope to make it through <laughs> until nighttime. So someday I'm going to get out of this like new baby funk and like figure my stuff out. But anyway, at the beginning of this, did you have like even a ballpark, like based on history, I'm going to probably lose about this much weight. Like, do you still think about that? Or is it purely about just like measurements and how you look and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I did have, first of all, I do, I want to go back to something that you said about the two ends of the spectrum. I think that's super important. I did have, I wrote down this quote the other day. That's why I was looking at my phone. And it's a simple, super simple quote, but it stuck with me. Extremes are easy. Balance is hard. Extremes are easy. Did you get that from balance me, is hard. Hello. I Did talk you about say this that? all the time. I mean, maybe not as eloquently as that, but I say this all the time. Like I've talked about how like carnivore, like people are like carnivore. It's so restrictive and crazy. Who could ever do that? It's very easy to do because it's one rule. Eat meat. Yeah. Don't eat anything else. It's very easy to follow that. But if someone says like eat food, whatever you like and figure out the way that works best for you so that you're nourished and you have a good body composition and you have energy go. That's very difficult. Like that takes a long time for people to figure out. So yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that. Um, I love it on the same page. I probably heard it from you or you probably said it somewhere. (laughs) Where did that quote come from though? Should we, should we credit this person? I have no idea. I just wrote it down. You can just credit me. You can just say it for me. Yeah extremes are easy balance is hard. And I think that's something too, that there, I don't know, maybe we'll do a whole episode on that because there's so many different ways that we can unpack that. But anyway, Mm -hmm. to answer your question. So I did, um, my last, I did a video, uh, sorry, I did a photo shoot that I actually did like a full prep for back in 2019, which is actually pretty cool because it was literally August of 2019 when I did that photo shoot and it's going to be August of 2022. So three years later, I did do, and since then I'll just 
brief history after that photo shoot, I actually lost, that was when I was coming off of the CrossFit injury and I had kind of regressed a bit. So I did end up losing like 20 pounds from the start of that prep till the photo shoot. Um, and then I was able to maintain that for a while. And then I wanted to go into a building phase. So I spent like eight months in a building phase after that through like 2020 through 2021, I think. Yeah. And then I did like a little mini, uh, fat loss phase after that. And then I've been pretty much at maintenance since then. So anyway, um, so this is my first kind of like prep, another prep, right. Since 2019. Um, and in terms of answering your question about the scale going into this, I kind of knew I was like, okay, well, I knew what I was when I went into that photo shoot back in 2019 and I was pretty lean then. Um, so I was kind of like, okay, like if I hit this number, like I'll be somewhere around that. Right. But I wasn't really focused. Like I'm not right now really focused on the scale. It's more so like, I know over these last 12 weeks, the scale needs to be trending down, um, uh, because that is where like, especially for someone who is advanced and I don't have really like a great potential for body recomposition versus someone who's might be completely new to lifting and completely new to dialing in their protein and their nutrition, right? That's a whole other camp. I've been doing this for a while. So for me, it's like, okay, I know that in order to lose body fat, because I'm a little bit more advanced, like that scale needs to trend down. So that's really what I was paying attention to, you know, weekly averages, biweekly averages, um, and measurements, progress pictures, and, gen and honestly, just how I feel. Um, mm -hmm. and, and how I like, just, you know, I can just see like when my face starts to get a little bit thinner, my arms start to get a little bit thinner. Like I'm no I know it's happening, right? Like, I know I'm doing what I need to do. Um, I did take a little bit more of an aggressive approach this time though, because I had like a strategic periodization plan, um, which I do encourage for like a lot of my clients just to have a, like a plan going into it. So, you know, and for me, it was, I had, um, like vacations throughout. So what I did, it was really like a three week on one week off type thing. So I was like three weeks, I was home. I was in my routine, pretty aggressive, pretty aggressive deficit. Um, not too much cardio in the beginning, really focusing on steps, training a little bit of, um, biking at the end of my lifting sessions. Um, just then I had a, Sorry, yeah. you're talking about a deficit. We're talking caloric deficit. Mm -hmm. Does that progress throughout the 12 weeks as well? So like at the beginning, maybe the deficit is however, say a couple hundred mm -hmm. calories or something. And then that continues to grow as well as you get closer. So typically, yes, but because I took such an aggressive approach from the beginning, because I knew I was doing, and this is something people might've heard of like the matador approach or just taking, you know, like you know, uh, diet breaks in between. So because I took such an aggressive approach from the beginning, I actually haven't needed to, I, I think, and I work with my own coach to keep me accountable for this with nutrition. Um, but I started at a certain amount. And so I, I only had to drop it once after the diet break. And then I've been coasting with that and just continuing to lose because it is a pretty aggressive approach, um, or sorry, a pretty aggressive, a deficit from my maintenance. Um, so Anyway, that being said, I did take kind of like a three week on one week off approach. So three weeks in the deficit, one week diet break, three weeks in the deficit, uh, one week diet break, and then three weeks in the deficit before my photo shoot. Um, and with that, this is actually the, first of all, the best results that I've seen from a fat loss standpoint in this period of time. It's also been the easiest fat loss phase I've ever gone through. And this could be its own podcast on its own. Um, I could go into a lot of that stuff, just the things that I was focusing on versus not focusing on. 
Um, and the approach that I took, I really enjoyed because the weeks that I had the diet breaks were the weeks that I was traveling and on vacation. So I was still able to enjoy those, you know, aside from the last week that I just mentioned where I decided to stay as disciplined as possible because I was kind of at the tail end, right? It was like last week and I had only had like two and a half, three weeks left. Um, so I was like, damn, I made this much progress. And so that just that momentum of the progress is what led me to the motivation to continue staying dialed in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but I did kind of have a ballpark range of the scale. Um, but like I said, it's continuing to drop. Um, and I wasn't expecting that, but so yeah. have you had the same coach and basically the same approach for like most of your kind of cut phases over the last few years, like nothing drastically, you said, you know, you did, you were a bit more aggressive this time, but like nothing drastically different in the last few years when you're doing this. Right. Um, actually no. So, and the reason for this is, is, you know, twofold. One is because I like to experiment with a lot of different approaches so that I can go through these approaches myself. And so then when I'm taking a client through a certain approach that I find, cause there's different approaches that work with everybody. Right. And you have to figure out what works for you and your lifestyle. So for me, it's like, I want to test these out on myself to kind of understand, you know, what the feelings are, all the stuff that's happening for myself before I put a client through it. Right. Um, and also sec twofold or the second part of it is that I've had different coaches throughout the last few years, because I, I really believe that, you know, getting coached yourself and learning from other people is important. So I want to vary that, um, in terms of the, the different coaches that I have. And that's more so just from like a, a, you know, a growth standpoint from like what I want to continue to evolve with my own coaching. Right. Um, so, yeah. So what are, what are the kind of differences? Like what, what's, what's significantly different. So in terms of the approaches. Yeah. So I would say that, I guess the first approach I took was more of like a slow and steady, um, not, I mean, not slow and steady, but it was a six month deficit um, with diet breaks in between, right. Six months is a long time, but I had significant diet break weeks and things like that. Um, and had like a, I think I had a few weeks of at maintenance. So I wasn't in the deficit the whole time. Um, but it was like a slow and steady approach. That was to my first photo shoot, um, where I basically, Oh, you're good. (laughs) I just sneezed. I don't know if you heard that. My bad. You can sneeze. Yeah. Like it's not illegal. Feel better now. Um, Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that was kind of the first approach and that approach works great for a lot of people. Um, the second approach was kind of like a hybrid between, I think I, I started off, um, slow and then got more aggressive or no, I started off aggressive and then got slower, which is another great, great approach. Cause usually from the beginning, when people start a fat loss phase, they're like really amped in the beginning, right? They're like, I'm going to go for it. Um, they're kind of, hopefully if you approach it correctly, you're coming off of a long period of time where the, uh, where you've been at maintenance or in a building phase. Right. Um, so your body's ready to diet. Right. Um, so that can be a good approach because if you take a little bit more aggressive in the beginning. And then once you, that diet fatigue starts to kind of manifest itself from a psychological and a physiological standpoint, then you can actually uh, take a little bit of a less aggressive approach and kind of finish off in that way. Mm-hmm. So that's another approach that people don't really think about from the mental side of things. Um, and then this approach was much shorter, not much shorter, but shorter, um, and 
more aggressive. more aggressive and yeah and it was the 12 week 12 week length realize that that was 12 that's 12 weeks but only nine of the weeks were in the deficit the the aggressive deficit which is okay. you know that's a good amount of time but it's still not like super long. So, and it, it's sort of like, it's a natural progression for you too. It makes sense. Like you said, that you'd be a bit more aggressive now at the end where your body is probably more accustomed to what you're doing. It's a bit more responsive. You're more experienced. Like you kind of know what you're doing. It's funny, you know, you're talking about how there's so many different ways and you got to find what works for you. And this idea of kind of starting aggressive and then kind of like chilling out a little bit in, in my experience, cause when I was doing bodybuilding preps, it's exactly what you're doing. It's just at the end, I get on a stage in a bikini and you, yeah. I don't know, do a f- video shoot in a bikini. We'll see. We'll see what you put Not on exactly, for your video shoot. but <laughs> close. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but like what I would do, my preps were 12 weeks, but it would be kind of 16 weeks, but the first month, the first four weeks, I was like ramping up to get to a, a bit more of an aggressive stage. So I went the opposite way in, and this is the mentality of it is like, again, if you've been maintenance or if you've been whatever, like bulking, whatever you want, eating, not disciplined at all, it's like this good kind of starting to get your head in the game, but it's not such a shock to your system. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're eating a lot, if you're eating foods that you're not going to be eating on your plan, whatever for that month, it's kind of like just slowly like titrating down. Like you're just like, thinking a bit more about what you're doing. You're like getting rid of some foods that like, you're just not going to see for a few months, like that kind of thing. You kind of ease into it. And then that month you're starting to feel a little bit better. Maybe you dropped a pound, like maybe just Mm -hmm. less inflammation or whatever. And you're like, all right, now I'm ready to hit the ground running. Um, but one question that I, I have now is like, after this prep, what about doing something completely different? Like what you're talking about are kind of like adjustments to a pretty solid plan, but like, Mm -hmm. what about, I'm going to do a photo shoot prep and I'm going to eat only carnivore, or I'm going to not do any cardio, like anything besides wall or whatever. And the reason I ask is because again, you and I, in the, in the interest of like experimentation, it's like trying things that are like really wildly different. And I know you're friends with, um, fit to fat to fit, you know, he's done some crazy experiment. So, but like, for example, you know, people have told me like, are you ever going to do like bodybuilding thing again? And I'm like, nah, probably not. Like I kind of did what I wanted to do, but the only thing that would get me back to doing a prep would be if I was going to do it, like if I was going to do like a prep only paleo or maybe I wouldn't do carnivore. Like that's just, I'm not doing that for 12 weeks, but like some kind of interesting protocol that I wouldn't normally do. That's like a different challenge. Um, Mm -hmm. because, and even, and again, I guess it depends on like how tied to a certain kind of success you are. Like for me, if I was going to do, yeah, like a 12 week prep without cardio, for example, or without, I would do it hundred percent paleo, like maybe it might not be as effective as things I've done in the past. But if, if I'm not so tied to like the perfection of the outcome and I'm more tied to the learning that I'm getting during the prep, then it's kind of not a loss either way. Right. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. You know, it's just interesting that way. So have you thought, or I mean, I guess you're in the middle of something now, but like maybe next year, maybe the next time you do this, we throw out some crazy plan (laughs) for you, some protocol or another one, good one for you would be doing it, but without a coach. So without the Mm -hmm. external accountability or without somebody that you're sending pictures to, like, that's a tough one because again, I feel the same way. Like I know exactly what I need to do. 
But if I was going to do it, I would probably pay and have a coach because the accountability is extremely helpful. Um, So it would be a really unique challenge, even for somebody as disciplined as you are to do it without that external help. Yeah, no, for sure. I think I would say that I have tried, I've experimented with a bunch of different stuff. And I'm talking like before the photo, before that 2019 period. So like keto, different fasting protocols, different things like that, like throughout those years, you know, before that. Um, and so I did go through different cuts and, and things like that. Um, I would say though, it was still like during that period of time, it was much more, um, you know, I was less obviously educated on a lot of things. <laughs> um, so like I did a, a period of carnivore, like I did carnivore for three, 30 days just to see like what it, what happened. Um, it wasn't necessarily though for like a specific fat loss goal. Right. Um, what, what I did, did happen. I'm curious. Oh my gosh. This was like 2017 strict carnivore for 30 know. days. Yeah. In 2017. Yeah. I'm like trying to remember. How have we never talked about this? I don't know. It was back when I was doing stuff with like Danny Vega. um, I guess it was before we kind of knew each other, but. Yeah. Yeah. It was before we knew each other, (laughs) before we met or 2016 or something. We did, we like literally put together a program. It was called the Keto Carnivore Cut. Um, And it was like, like they, he, we put it together as like a cut protocol for like a month, just to like experiment. But I was just kind of doing it just to see, but. So yeah, I've done that. Your done... digestion, because that's the biggest thing everyone talks about, is like people's yeah. digestion goes nuts when they're only eating meat. And I, I've never had that issue, but I've also never done it for thirty days straight. So, um, I think that I was eating pretty strict keto before that. Um, mm-hmm. so my body was like used to like the lower carbs, and I wasn't. I was eating vegetables, but not like a ton. I don't think. Um, so the transition, I think, me like I don't honestly, I don't remember exacts. This was years, years ago. Um. But I think that my digestion, one of the things that the perks that I liked about it actually was that my digestion got a little bit better um, in terms of just less bloating and stuff like that. It's probably because I typically, when we talk about this, I love vegetables. Yeah, you um, eat a lot so, of squash. Yeah, I haven't been eating that much squash lately. That's one thing I that's different th- about this prep is that um, I swapped, because it's summertime, um, I swapped right. in... And we can talk about carbs and all that jazz too, because this was not like a low carb keto prep or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was lower carb because calories, you have to take them from somewhere, right? And we don't take them for protein, we either take them from carbs or fats. Um, but I swapped that for fruit. So it had like strawberries um, and stuff like that. Um, but there's a lot, there's a few things that I did do differently, which I would love to talk about that because it, they're things that are so simple things that are so underrated when it comes to something like this. And I'll just say one, one of those things is that I pretty much ate the same exact thing every single day, which mm. for the past three months, um, aside from some things on the weekends and a little bit, but I basically created a meal plan for myself, um, of the foods that I know I love and enjoy. And I just was like, all right, I'm just going to stick to this. And I actually challenged myself to not open my fitness pal too often during the week, because I was like, okay, if I set a set meal plan for myself and I'm just going to put that on repeat during the week and, you know, on the weekends too, as much as possible, there's no need, there's no need to go and track all your stuff in my fitness pal. Right. 
I want to take credit for that too. Do you remember this conversation? Yes, we had this conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. I was like, you are the most disciplined person on the planet <laughs> and you eat the same foods all the time. There is no need for you to put in the same thing every day. Well, but I, yeah. But I understand that it is like, again, like you are, you are a very sorted out disciplined fit person. Like if you didn't, if my fitness pal ceased to exist, you'd be fine. But I get that there's like a routine, there's a consistency, there's an accountability thing that is helpful even for people who know exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, anyway, I just had to be, no, yeah, say, no, no, you're, you're, you're totally right. I mean, credit to, you can take all the credit. I need credit. Um, (laughs) Okay. I need it. I need it. You can take it all. Um, No, but I think it it was definitely like, and this is something that I've also implemented because again, the things that I test on myself and the things that I learned, there's a lot of things within nutrition and training that, you know, you can read all the stuff you want, but if you don't implement them yourself and like test and assess for yourself, it's, it's hard to really, really truly know like how it affects you. And then, so that's another reason why I do these different things. But anyway, um, what do you think? I need to interrupt you again. Cause this is an important, <laughs> cause I feel like, I feel like a lot of people are going to like have thoughts about eating the same yeah. thing over and over again for three months. Like some people will have no problem with that easy, less to think about. Some people will be like, absolutely not. I will be bored in three weeks and I'll hate it and I'll give up. But my question is what is really the science behind that being easier if you're looking to like lose fat or whatever, than having more variety that is calorically similar. So for example, if like you only, I'm just using this as an example, you only used like three fruits as your carbs. Like you had like Mm -hmm. strawberries and I don't know, whatever bananas and cantaloupe or something. Cantaloupe's gross. But anyway, and if you, instead of eating those same three things for three or four months straight, you had other fruits, but you were like meticulous. Like I'm eating this many strawberries, but I'm going to eat this kiwi Mm -hmm. and it's the same. Like do you think there is science to like the, the more kind of homogenous way being more effective? And like, what is that? Why is that a a thing that, that works? Yeah. So I would say that, and just to preface this a little bit, like I ate the same thing every day, but like, for example, this kind of goes to that. Like, I think the first month I was doing blueberries every morning with my breakfast instead of strawberries. Right. So they're berries. They have pretty much the same macros. So those are the little things that like, you don't want to get too caught up on. Cause that's just like irrelevant. Um, or, you know, if we're talking about meats, like doing, you know, chicken tenderloins versus like a pork tenderloin, they're very similar, right. In, in protein, fat content, a little bit different, whatever. Um, but I think that the science, I don't know how much science there is, but from a mental standpoint, just the fact that I just don't have to think about like, okay, what am I going to go buy at the grocery store this week? Like, what am I going to, like, what's my breakfast and my lunch and my dinner going to be? It was just all very similar. Um, and I just found foods that I really looked forward to consuming and that I knew filled me up. And so Mm -hmm. I think that like, but for example, it's not, it didn't change much from like what I was doing before I went on the cut. Right. So like, for example, dinner, dinner is always just a meat and a veggie for me typically. Um, and some seasonings. And so my dinner has been, and and this is something I just found super simple because I didn't have to prep it too. It's like, I just make it fresh every night. It's literally eight ounces of ground beef, 96, four with like 12 ounces of zucchini cooked in bone broth and a little bit of, um, like fat, right. Cooking oil. 
um, just to add some healthy fats there. And that is just like takes 10 minutes to make and I don't have to prep it. And I make like I cook one pound of ground beef on one day and then I have eight ounces of, his, eight ounces of it that day, eight ounces of it the next day. Then I do, do that on repeat, right? Um, but you could there might there might be some science like again it's it's more like psychology to the idea mm -hmm. that if you are keeping the same foods over and over again you're less likely to overeat them because it's yep. not that sexy it's not that exciting you get it you have like this visual in your head of like this is yeah. what i'm eating this is how much whereas if you switch it up even if it's healthy food you might be like ooh i got like little treat over here. I might eat a little bit more. Like yep. maybe there's something to that, but yeah, yeah no, that, that is, and I, I was gonna say, I don't know, like specific studies on, I know there is probably some studies out there on that. Um, I don't know any specifics, but I think that is exactly true that you just have, um, there's less, um, temp temptation, right? Cause it's like, okay, I know, I know this food. It's also, um, it also helps to kind of regulate progress too, in the sense of like going back to the scale thing, when you're eating like a bunch of different types of foods, like that can also affect and also different types of like, you know, whether they have like what the amount of sodium in them and the amount of whatever fiber, cause that can affect how much foods in your gut and things like that. Those things can actually like kind of throw off digestion a bit too. Um, and then that can itself throw off, like you wake up in the morning, you're like, and this is something I don't encourage anybody to do, but if you wake up and you're like, damn, the scale's up three pounds, what did I do? And then you're just like, now you have this whole psychological standpoint from the scale. So anyway, that's something that I noticed is, um, just keeping things very similar day to day is that my like scale trends weren't as fluctuated as they, they might've been in the past. Um, mm -hmm. that's, and again, it's not all about the scale, but that is one component of, especially a mental side of things too. So Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, I think I don't remember what your question was, but no one whatever. else does either. So it's <laughs> fine. Um, I will say we have gone way over what we were t attempting our <laughs> length to be. <clears throat> and we were also planning on reading a, a, a listener question. I think we'll skip that today because I do still have like another couple questions for you. But okay, <clears throat> I want people to know that if you send in a question, we will read them and we will answer them. Yeah. Just this one ended up being <clears throat> more exciting than we thought. I'm losing my voice in the middle and I haven't even been talking that much. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, I've been- uh... It's not COVID. No, because you've got the interesting thing going on, but I do have a couple more questions. Um, before, before I dive into the next question, I want to do this so I don't forget. Our sponsor, our show sponsor yes. is Optimal Carnivore. They're amazing folks. They're very transparent. They make these grass-fed um, nose-to-tail- basically multivitamin supplements that I have been taking pretty regularly. And look at this one. And of course she has a organizer for her supplements. Well, of can I plug this really quickly? I started, you sent those, or I got those at the beginning of this, which okay. was around the beginning of my prep. And I mentioned, I am in a pretty aggressive, have been in a pretty aggressive deficit with that. I take a little bit extra supplements as kind of an insurance policy, right? Nice. Because not getting as many nutrients as I would if I was at in taking, you know, an adequate amount of food to be at maintenance. So I implemented those. Um the the general ones, not it was like the the organs, oh my gosh. just like grass fed the, organs or something. Yeah, right? just the, the, the grass fed organs. Yeah. Cause I have the organs and just the plain the liver itself and then the mm -hmm. the brain one. So mm -hmm. it was yeah, just the the organs I implemented those as my multi like in place of a multivitamin. Love um, it. So yeah, just plug in that and you can see them in here in my fish Love oil it. and yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You you nine and, years old. 
you and Alex, my husband, like you guys need to like spend some time together because you are just <laughs> literally the same. This is why I get along with you so well. I think like your personalities are so similar. Like of, he's just like, his, I go into the fridge every day. Our supplements are in our fridge and I like go, I open the fridge and I'm like, Hmm, which supplements do I feel like putting in my mouth today? And I just like take some <laughs> randomly. And he has like a organizer and like does it yeah. meticulously every day. I'm just like, anyway, this is, you end up with people who are uh, different, but compatible. Anyway, if you're interested, you uh, can use our code. It's muscle sci, so short for muscle science. So it's just muscle SCI. You get 10% off your first order. They are directing us to their Amazon store, which is just amazon.com forward slash optimal carnivore. Um, but you can also go to their website, optimalcarnivore.com. If you have any questions about the products or anything like that, you can reach out to us and we'll get the answer for you. Um, but those guys are awesome and they're supporting this transition to this new podcast. So we love those guys. So Thank you. Thank All right. You. Next question. We got to address it. And then maybe we should wrap this up because it has been over an hour. Um, yeah. You talked about like, you know, the progression of a prep. And this, I think, is pretty standard for most most preps is that you kind of start with the food and you progressively um you know, uh, lower your calories, you progressively kind of get more and more strict as the, the thing goes on. And then you also start maybe ramping up cardio kind of near the end, like that, that tends to be, or hopefully in a healthy way that usually is sort of like the last resort to kind of like get that last. Cause we talk all the time about how cardio and lots of it isn't really awesome. It's not super fun. It's not something you want to do long-term all the time, but added to a, you know, very kind of strict monitored temporary uh, cut protocol, it's going to help. It's going to mm -hmm. add to the, the fat loss. So what is your, and you don't have to give too much to, Like, I don't want people to be like, oh, this is what Rachel did. So I'm going to do exactly that. And I'm going to have awesome yeah. delts like Rachel, but you know, it's interesting <laughs> to talk about. So like, what's the cardio situation? Like, what are you doing? How generally, how much are you doing? Like, talk about that. Cause people are interested. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I would say something that is a little bit different, uh, this time, this prep that I'm doing is, um, actually being a little bit more meticulous with the cardio, because again, when you take a more aggressive approach, a shorter approach, um, you know, if you have a timeline that's shorter, you have to get more aggressive in, in the sense of what you're doing, right. That just makes sense. If it's going to be a shorter time frame, you have less time to get to that, that goal, but again, not saying anybody, you have to do this. It's really about what your periodization plan looks like. So anyway, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I think people make when they do start to implement cardio within a fat loss phase, um, there's two mistakes. The first one is just going balls to the wall, right from the beginning, like you said, and just like going, you know, burning out zero to a hundred, like, yeah, that is a recipe for disaster because you're literally setting yourself up for a hard time. And you're not giving yourself any runway to work with as you get deeper in the deficit. And, you know, the reason why cardio is so is, is useful as you get towards the, the end, towards like the middle to end of the deficit, depending on how aggressive you're going, whatever it is, is because like you said, you will typically have to drop your calories as you go, because as you're losing weight, your body is your, your maintenance level is lowering, right? Because you're literally physically a smaller version of yourself. So your the calories you consumed five pounds heavier or whatever it is, is, is going to be less as you lose that five pounds, right? That's just how it works. Um, so as you continue on, 
if you want to stop decreasing your food intake, or you get to a point where it's like, I can't adhere to any lower calories than this just practically, then it's like, all right, let's, let's go to the energy expenditure side and ramp that up a little bit. And that's where we add the cardio, right? Um, however, there is one thing that I would say is that people, um, make the mistake of ramping up the cardio, but then not tracking that cardio outside of their general movement. Um, and so like, for example, I started off with my steps being, um, around, uh, I think it was around 10 K right. 10 K steps a day. And not I was like, 10 right, kilometers, 10,000 steps, 10,000 steps. Yeah. Yeah. So then I, um, just from the start I did, or I think it was like a two weeks and I bumped that up to like 12 K. I think I, I have to like go back and look. Um, but that was just steps. Right. And so then I know, okay, my steps are at 12 K. And if I'm going to add in cardio on top of that, I want to actually make sure that I'm not including that formal, formal cardio into my step goal. Because what happens when you do that is that you start to compensate, right? Mm -hmm. So if I was averaging 12 K steps a day for a period of time, then if I want to add more onto that to continue to see things move along, then I shouldn't be counting that cardio within those steps, right? Mm -hmm. Because then I could be compensated. Like if I do 30 minutes of cardio in the morning and I'm like, oh man, I got my cardio out of the way. I did like 5K steps. The rest of the day, if I look in and I have a step goal of 12K, right? Then I might stop at 12K and be like, oh, I, I got my 12K, but then I actually needed. 12 plus five, whatever that is. What's that? 17. I can't do math. 17, 17. right. To add that extra on mm -hmm. <laughs> 17. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Um, got to take that so, brain anyway. complex. All right. Got to take that brain complex yeah. next. <laughs> another, another, I mean, my, I'm at, I have one week left in my diet. My brain fog is definitely yeah. up there because as you mm -hmm. don't have enough fuel coming in, it affects your brain. So that's why yep. you can't diet forever and you'll feel yep. like shit. So that's a whole yep. other podcast. But anyway, so the biggest thing here is to just think, and I don't, I'm not going to give specifics and ramble on because I've been rambling on all episode, but if you are going to add cardio in to, for the goal of losing body fat, make sure that you're not compensating for your other neat or your other non-exercise activity through own Genesis, because then things are just going to kind of balance out. And then you're gonna be like, oh man, I'm doing this extra cardio but your body is really, really, really smart. It's really, it wants to do whatever it can to be as efficient as possible. And so it's going to be like, Hey, you just ramped up this cardio. Okay. I'm going to go sit on the couch for this mm -hmm. period of time, instead of go out for my afternoon walk. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not going to go, you know, fold the laundry. I'm just going to leave it in the, <laughs> mm -hmm. leave it in the dryer for the next week. Right. Yeah. And you do that subconsciously. Your body does that subconsciously because it doesn't want, your body doesn't want to lose body fat. It doesn't want to do these yes. extra things. It wants to stay at homeostasis because it's like, bitch, I'm lazy. Like I'm going to do what is easy. And yeah. And I think it's worth, it. I think it's worth I said, bitch, noting that. Way. Yeah. You said the B word. And at the top of the Shoot. call, we decided that Oh, and then you just said the S word. So should I <laughs> no, just- No, we said the S word is good. Should I just I mean, escalate and just throw an F-bomb just... right now? I, I'm not actually worked up enough today. I didn't, we didn't yeah. talk about things that are frustrating us. So I'll leave the F-bombs for the time. next episode. But I think it's worth, <laughs> and this is like maybe a good place to like wrap up is like- To shut again, up, it is, not you, it me. <laughs> is, 
No, we, you know, we want to keep this. We don't want to keep these like two hours long. We could, but I think our listeners are probably like tapped out at around an hour. Um, but it's good to remember that like your body doesn't want, unless you are a very, very overweight and you're looking to lose excess body fat, especially in a cut, especially someone like you who starts out lean and is trying to get temporarily more lean than your body should be long-term. Your body does not want to do that. It's going to fight you in very subtle and intelligent ways, like you said, by compensating. And so that's why you have to have all aspects of this prep, this, this plan really dialed in and sorted out, not only from the food part that like, it seems counterintuitive, like you're working out more, but you're eating less, but that's how you lose fat. You're going to want to maybe eat more because you're exercising more. Guess what? You can't do that. If your goal is to lose fat also things like recovery and sleep, because if you are busting your ass at the gym and eating less than your body wants to, you know, what's going to start to suffer sleep. And when your sleep suffers, guess what all suffers? You're going to plateau. You're going to hold on to fat. All of these things are going to happen. So like you it's, it's, I mean, this is why people aren't really doing this because it's a lot of work. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and your body doesn't want it. And it, your body especially doesn't want it when you're a woman, because we have all kinds of like hormonal fail safes to keep us from getting incredibly lean because our bodies don't really want to be that way. So in summary, we both do this. We've done it many times. We're not saying never do it. We're not saying that it's like a bad goal or whatever. And everybody kind of wants to look good and do a photo shoot and get lean and see what they look like Mm -hmm. with some abs and stuff. It's great. But it's worth noting that this stuff, there are seasons, there are phases. It's meant to be temporary. No one should be in a deficit all the time. Well, I mean, that becomes something else, but you know, you just have to be mindful. You have to like put your health first. You have to be thoughtful and know that this is a, a basically mm-hmm. like a part-time job for you right now that is going to have an end. And then you have to know what comes afterwards. So maybe we can mm-hmm. talk about that in a future episode is because that's yeah. one thing I think is very, very under discussed is what to do oh my after gosh. a cut. Um, yeah. and it leaves a lot of people really messed up mentally and physically. Yeah. So, um, oh, maybe man. I'll let's add that do, to my list. Yeah. Let's do that. The reverse diet. Cause I am going through reverse diet and I already have a plan for it, um, in terms of what I'm doing. And you have to have a plan for after the diet, because if you don't, you're screwed. Um, one, yep. one last thing I'll mention to you, cause I didn't actually answer your, your question and this will be one minute long, but in terms of the type of cardio I was doing, or I'm doing, I have been doing through this whole prep. I haven't done one high intensity interval session. And I'm not saying that that's bad or whatever. They're not bad. There's nothing bad about it. There, there's things that are, you know, more optimal, um, for certain people. But for me, because I took such an aggressive approach from a calorie standpoint, like you said, I didn't have many recovery resources available throughout this prep because I was already such in a deeper deficit. So my cardio came from obviously maintaining those 12 K steps a day with just walks outside. And then the added cardio was like 20 minutes on the bike after a lifting session and a few inclined treadmill walks at like a a balanced, like list, low intensity size eight pace. And that's all. I didn't do any hit or anything like that. Um, and yeah, that's just another, another thing to point out that, you know, you don't have to do hit. You don't have to do any cardio to really lose body fat. It could help depending on you and your goals, but there is, there's a fine line, especially as you get deeper into a fat loss phase. And as you get, as you take a more aggressive approach, your body, especially for women, I think, and this is mistakes that I made in the past personally, that your body is going to be 
way more sensitive to the stress that you are putting on it. And so Mm -hmm. I, 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 I can talk forever, but I'll just say this last thing, being in a calorie deficit, no matter an aggressive, a moderate, whatever it is, that in itself is already stress on your body, right? So you have to manage all of the other stressors as best you can. And that can be an, a whole other podcast on itself. We have a whole, like, I think it's like a two hour lesson on that in the muscle science for Women program. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Remind our listeners where they can go to sign yeah. up to learn more about our program that will be launching again in September. Yeah. Okay. So we should have the link in the description, um, but it is metflexlife.com backslash MSW. And that will give you all the information you can get on the waiting list so that you will be the first to know when we launch it. Um, and you can reserve a spot there and yeah. Yeah. We're very excited to start it again because we get lots of people. Like I basically like our, our, uh, email address, which I'll tell everyone right now, if you want to send us a question, comment, feedback, topic ideas, whatever, send us an email at muscle science for women. It's the number four at gmail.com. We will read them. Um, a lot of people are like, they're sending in questions or like questions about their frustrations around working out or whatever. It basically, my answer is like, you need to sign up for the program. Literally the program. Like, it's crazy, but they're like, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm unmotivated about the gym. I'm bored. I'm kind of stressed out and I don't know how to manage it. My sleep is kind of crappy. The food thing is a whole thing. I'm like, Oh my goodness, like sign up for this program. So anyway, we feel pretty strongly about that. Um, but that's it. So send us an email. If you have thoughts, questions, feedback, all that stuff, sign up, uh, to know about the program when it goes live again in September and, uh, good luck with the rest of your prep. We can't wait to see all the, 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 pictures and videos and all the hotness that comes out of it very pumped (laughs) and uh that's it i guess we'll see you when we see you see ya